Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are likely to trigger the extreme fanboys and fangirls who disagree with them. Listener discretion is advised. Let's try this again, shall we? Uh, thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Ken Napsock, for coming back to have the same conversation again. Billy Business, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and it's always a pleasure to talk Star Wars, but I actually like that we're getting a second chance. I do, too, because I uh, obviously I can't listen to it. So for those of you who don't know, I've been talking about this for a while, Ken and I did this episode, I want to say in like December. This was before we broke for Christmas break, yeah. and I thought, great, I'll get ahead, I'll get the first episode done for season two, uh, and then just bango, bingo, corrupto. Didn't work at all. File went kaput. So bummed. But then I thought back to that conversation, and I feel like I didn't have the right approach. I feel okay. like I was blaming you as if you had made this movie, <laughs> and I was like, why did you do this to me, Ken? And you just shrugged a lot and said, I don't know, man. Yeah, there were a lot. I don't remember the details, but I remember feeling disappointed in myself. Obviously, as someone who loves Star Wars a ton and who loves Rogue One and wants to, you know, it's not defending or being an apologist. It's I want people to have a better understanding and, and get joy of it if they miss something. But at the end of the day, you might not like something. And I thought there was a lot of your questions were like, I can't change the plot. Right. Uh, we're going to talk about the whole movie, but I, I promise this is not a shill because he's not paying me and uh, I'm not paying him. But yeah. over the break, uh, yeah. or not over the break because it didn't come out for a while, but... Uh, the last time that I was kind of, I get in Star Wars moods. Yeah, yeah. I have a mood. I listen to the great. I don't know if you've listened to it. It's uh, this guy. He's like inside, and then whatever movie, and he does like a seven episode mm. series from Wondery about the making of movies. Oh, I've, I've heard of that. I haven't listened. to Right, it. he did Inside yet. Star Wars, and uh, after watching it, I got the itch, and I got into it. And then your book came out. Oh, uh, Why we love Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and I read your book, uh, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I just was too angry. <laughs> Maybe I just was, I don't know. But I still have issues with this movie. I've watched it recently. But I want to talk a little bit more this time rather than just like, why can? Why is it like right. this? Right. Okay, that's fair. I'm also in your studio now. But first time we recorded at another location here, uh, you've got a, a death trooper in the room. So I, you like Rogue One enough to buy one of the toys. I do like, yes. Well, I... Uh, I like the toys. I like Star Wars. I feel like a lot of people don't realize, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not you. I'm not Scrimshaw. Sure. I'm not, you know, Jenny Nicholson. But I am a big Star Wars fan. Right. Uh, I've read a lot of the books. I uh, watch all the TV shows. So it was surprising to me that this one where uh, everybody went crazy over it, I mm -hmm. didn't. So before we get into talking about the movie... Um, let's give a little context to this movie because this movie didn't have the smoothest sailing no. out the gate. So after Disney bought Lucasfilm, John Knoll, who you may know from ILM, he was a special effects guy. He heard about some of the early concepts of the Star Wars movies. He just wasn't impressed with anything that Disney said that they might do. So he developed his own idea um, and it was basically taken from the crawl of mm -hmm. Star Wars New Hope. And it was about the rebel uh, bands that got the Death Star plans. So Gareth Edwards uh, comes in. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, she greenlights Great. Gareth Edwards comes in to direct. Uh, and he delivers a, a cut of the film that was called, quote, 
unwatchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so t- uh, writer Tony Gilroy, he comes in, and uh, this was a quote that he gave to Entertainment Weekly. He said, it was just in so much terrible, terrible trouble that all you can do is improve on their position. Yikes. That was, uh, that was a rough quote. Um, so he was brought on board to offer notes uh, from the first cut and then write additional material, and he even helped with second unit. There's rumors that he kind of took over. Mm. Uh, unsubstantiated. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but this led to a lot of shots in those trailers, those first couple trailers right. that just aren't in the movie. They're just not there. Right. But it, it, it ultimately it didn't really matter because this movie, uh, even though it had very big production troubles, as would Solo, Solo got hit pretty hard. Uh, mm-hmm. This one made over a billion dollars in the box office, a cinema score, uh, 86% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes or 85. It's a high. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ken, as yeah. a lifelong Star Wars fan, you just watched Force Awakens the year before. This movie's coming out. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts going into this movie and coming out of it? Going into this movie, I was I was so excited because I, I, I love this era. And, and if you listen to me talk Star Wars in other spots, this is what I say a lot. I apologize for remixing it. I love the 20 years between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. I think that's fertile uh, uh, area to, to mine for great stories. I love what John Knoll did. Hey, that's an interesting story from the crawl. I wonder what happened. I think that's a great concept for standalone movies. Whether or not we get those going forward in Disney Plus or ever again, we'll see. So I was very high, very high on it. Loved the trailers. Loved the shots. Uh, a lot of it, uh, as you said, didn't end in the, in the film. A lot of it because Gareth Edwards also admits to just being like on set going, hey, that looked cool. Do that again, Felicity Jones. And that <laughs> shot of her standing up in like that hallway that looks like, right. like the Death Star was never, he was like, oh, I never intended that to be in the movie. It just looked cool. And then right. they used it for the yeah. press. So, but a lot of it, absolutely. You see the, what we'll call the alternate ending and you see Krennic alive at the, at the end of the battle. You see them running with the plans towards the, the AT, uh, ACTs, all that stuff. So anyways, I saw it the first time a press screening. I was in the car, me and Jeremy Johns went to see it together. I think I was his plus one. And, uh, we came out of it and we got in our car and we both screamed at each other. That was the greatest star Wars movie we've ever seen. And I wait, wait raced back to Collider and I gave my review and, and, ah. Oh! And then the second time I saw it, two nights later, three nights later, um, I went with a friend and a couple of friends. She didn't like it at all. And I sometimes I guess you can pick up on that with, when you're with somebody. Sure, yeah. Uh, just as a friend hanging out watching a film, I could tell I could tell during the movie that she just wasn't feeling it. And she is someone who is a huge Star Wars fan who loved Force Awakens. And I found the first and second act to be not my favorite, and, and I came out of it going, maybe I didn't like it as much. Then the third time I saw it is where I landed right in the middle, and it's grown from there. So it's been a journey with that film, and it's very positive. I always loved what I loved in it. Um, what's gotten better for me, we'll talk about it along the way, is some of the supplemental material tied to this movie sure, right. has made me appreciate these characters more. So I saw this movie for the first time at a PGA screening, mm-hmm. uh, Producers Guild. And usually the Producers Guild, they do, you know, like the same weekend, but it's rare that they do a pre-release. So this was a pre-release screening. Mm-hmm. So I'm at the El Capitan. I'm in a room, like huge full room full of producers right. and I'm watching it. And you know, when you're watching something and you're trying to convince yourself you really like this and you're like, maybe the turn's coming. Uh-huh. And it just never came for me. And at the end of the movie, I'll never forget, 
when Princess Leia is, she says hope, and then mm. it cuts to the thing, standing ovation. Right. And I'm like, I I'm in a room full of storytellers, yeah. professional storytellers. Yeah. What am I missing? Like this this wasn't a story. I was like, okay, I gotta clear my head. I went back two nights later, like you did, mm-hmm. opening. I saw it in 70 millimeter IMAX. I was like, all right, I'm gonna see this, the biggest place I can see it, right. and I just. I drove home. This is when I lived uh, about 45 to an hour away. And oh, I yeah. drove home and I was so mad at this movie, like actively <laughs> angry. And I was telling my wife on the phone, like everything I hated about it. I got lost. I, I ended up at Valencia at Magic Mountain. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I missed a turn like oh, wow. half an hour ago. Oh, wow. Um, so I was really like angry at this movie. And I didn't know why. I think I was angry because I felt like a Twilight Zone episode where I was like, mm. what What am I missing that every right. single person that I have spoken with thinks this is the greatest thing ever and I'm missing it. So right. I had to kind of sit with it for a while. Um and I guess that brings me to kind of my first thing with this movie. And I've learned to like let a lot of this go, especially even since the last time that we talked about this. Mm-hmm. But I think what really stuck in my craw the worst yeah. um, was that even if it's slightly, this movie for me personally changed a little bit of the context of A New Hope or a little mm. bit of the themes. Because one of my favorite things that I always loved about A New Hope was that there's this huge weapon that could kill uh, a whole mm-hmm. planet. And you have like this smug little Tarkin who's just yeah. like, yeah, we, we've got this power. I'll, you know, I can do whatever I want with it. And there's nothing you can do about it. And these little scrappy terrorists, they find like something the size of like a, an AC outlet in a wall. And they're like, Oh, did you know if you just like put a little bullet in there, this whole thing's going to, everyone was so worried about their big laser that they forgot to overlook this little teeny tiny sewer. And I think that the hubris of the empire versus like the resourcefulness of the rebels was something that carries on as a theme throughout the rest of the trilogy. Mm -hmm. So it really just, bothered me a lot when i when it's like they got they got like a little boost they got like a little game genie cheat with with uh galen up, Urso up, being down, like down yeah with, by the way like i built this to specifically for that purpose instead right, of right, them right. like looking it over and be like hey did you guys notice that they totally looked over this one thing mm-hmm. it's like no now it's changed so it was like completely by design and yeah. that kind of fundamentally for me changes a little bit of the context yeah yeah, I, I know we're not supposed to debate here. So no, you absolutely no, can no, debate no. me. I, I well, want to hear but your I point. Isn't your podcast about polite discussion? It's about polite discussion. But so, if I'm wrong, so listen to me. Please jerk. tell me. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not. I can't take that away from you. I won't. Uh, and that's a lot because it does change it. It, it does absolutely. Um, I do feel uh, as as positive I am about Disney Lucasfilm Star Wars. In some of even the books and comics, there's occasional things where where like I feel like they like they answer questions wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Questions we've had for years, like what if, what, how did, how did that happen? How this, and other times they maybe it's too specific. And this is one of those examples. It doesn't change Star Wars: A New Hope for me, but it, you're not you're not wrong. What I'll say is it carries out a theme in the game. Where this is going to come up a lot, so let's just put it on the table. Sure. A lot of the supplemental t- material makes Rogue One a little better, particularly first and second act stuff. I think that third act is amazing. I think it's in terms of just 
plague what I call playground Star Wars. Oh, the the space battle is unparalleled. Yeah, yeah, and I I think a lot of people agree with that, and that's and that that's probably what took it home for me that first viewing. Right. Like I just saw two Star Destroyers be pushed into each other. <laughs> uh, that is all there, and that's still there, and it was there from the beginning. But the first and second act, we'll dive into that. So, but I think one of the things for me is, and this goes into Solo too, why I like Solo so much. Uh, the Empire is, is the villain, right? Um, it's supposed to be the villainous empire. Sure. So a lot of what happens is because what I keep, what I, we always say is the foot of the Empire presses down on the galaxy and all these little things happen. Solo, you see it with the criminal underground. They, the criminal syndicates start going. Uh, industry gets destroyed. Uh, Han Solo's father is a victim of the Empire because they destroy the once great Karelian shipyards. And, it, and it's... All these little things the Empire does to itself. Um, I think Galen Erso is part of that. I think Orson Krennic's part of that. His Krennic story is the case of, uh, of middle management and trying to get this and that. And in the book Catalyst by James Lucino. And, and again, should you have to read all this stuff to enjoy the movie? No. No. But let's just talk Star Wars. Um, this is what I think Disney does. Disney, Luke, it's Lucasfilm. Disney owned Lucasfilm now. Does a great job of laying down all this on a track and you can put all the story. Uh, Krennic was uh, wasn't always what he was supposed to be. He was always, you know, you know, uh, I wouldn't call him a bad guy. He was a top student. He was an architect. Galen was his schoolmate. Um, Galen was forced into doing a lot of this stuff. It is is the Empire's hubris then, and in in Catalyst, this comes up, and there is some people saying, and I'm par- I haven't read the book in a while. Hey, there's a flaw. And no one cares. And Tarkin doesn't care. And people don't care. So it is the same point stretched out over 20 years. But it does change New Hope. It does change New Hope. Um, And that might be unfortunate for some people. I think it adds to it and I can live with it. Do I wish it was as specific? Do I wish Galen Erso said, it's possible. I don't have time to figure it out. Right. But I know they didn't do a great job. Right. I would have liked that. So that's a long answer. So you're not no. necessarily wrong. I just think it is part of the bigger story. And to be fair, you told me last time, you're like, hey, over the break, read mm. Catalyst. It might help. I don't read books because okay. I have terrible eyesight and I just don't read. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Audible is great. Audible is great. On Audible, and I started listening to it, mm-hmm. and maybe the worst narrator I've ever heard oh, for really? a book ever. Like, wow, who does it? I don't know. He's Mark, just, Mark Thompson's the great one who does all of them, I, most of them. But. It was so dry. I couldn't wow. tell if the guy was bored or he had just <laughs> accidentally taken an Ambien and he thought it was an aspirin. Man. Uh, long story short to say, man. like, I I understand that. And I think Star Wars is tough, man, because you're right. There's, you know, we talked about this, Joe Starr and I talked about this with The Matrix, mm. where there's so much even more so in that in the, that series where there's so much outside story that's absolutely critical to your understanding of the films that right, it right. becomes this, you know, like, where does the movie end and where does the story, you know, where does it all take place? I I can live with that, with that explanation of, like, Galen, uh, you know, told them years ago, like, hey, this thing, that's a problem. They're like... Eh, no one's gonna figure it out. Right, right. Like that, that, that does kind of tie it back in. But you're right. Like, it just goes to this. Like, this movie either stands on its own, right, and it's okay, or right. it plugs into a much larger story. Yeah. In which case, it's still just okay. Well, <laughs> sure, that's fine. I, I think 
it's such a it's it's a it's an idea that seems really good to be like we bought we bought Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. let's put out movies. All right, we're going to put seven, eight, and nine out. That's great. What else can we do? We have this universe. Oh, you'd be great movies. Solo was supposed to be the first one, and then Kasdan and, and had already been working on it with John, and then we're like, ah, let's pull you over to Force Awakens after the Michael Arndt uh, dismissal, all those kind of things. And they go with Rogue One. Um, it's a, it's a big sell, whether you like Rogue One or Solo or not. It is a, a good sell, a good enough sell to the general fan, the core fan, to be like, you want a bunch of Star Wars stories, right? <laughs> cool. We're going to do that. But then I, I don't, for me, I don't know if Rogue One survives on its own. Right. I think you could try to say it does. Solo, it's a different conversation. It's a movie I love, but I also understand. And there's there's a lot of, obviously, production Problems sure, in that. Yeah. I'm waiting for the tell-all book on the, all of these stories. Oh, when the they unauthorized. Can, yeah, yeah I, you know, no one can really speak. Tony Gilroy is the only one who speaks about all this stuff. Um, so, I think I enjoy these for for being building blocks to the entire story. But yeah, that doesn't mean you know, I, you know, my dad who just likes Star Wars enough to watch them once. I don't know what he feels about this one. I should ask. You, he liked Force Awakens. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My mom. She's watched all the Star Wars with me in theaters, and she didn't really like Force Awakens, mm. but she loved Last Jedi. So there's there's one for everybody. Your mom's great. Um, but again, like I guess like here's another example for me where I'm like, this serves this movie so well. Yeah. But in the larger scheme of things, I would actually cut this out, and mm. that's the mm. the scene that everyone went crazy for, which was the Darth Vader sequence in the mm. uh, when he's. Uh, just mowing down rebel soldiers. And I say that because like within this movie, wow, like Mm -hmm. that is a showstopper. Mm -hmm. That is, that is a, that is a great little piece for your, for your resume. Mm -hmm. Put that at the top of your LinkedIn. Right. But when, but when you add me, (laughs) when you slice it right in and seemingly hours later, he's supposed to show up at the very beginning of a new hope it doesn't feel like the same character. The sense of urgency is completely different. I think it's days. Uh, sure, but sure, still. but 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 hey, he said time to take a nap. <laughs> but to be honest, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not undercutting your point. I don't right. know. I don't know specifically. I mean, even so, it's just like it feels like here's this guy who's just like I'm going to mow you down because you have something I want, and there it is, and I know what it is. Yeah, and I'm going to get it, or you're going to die. And then he shows up later. He's like. Is it on this ship? Come on, guys. Tell yeah. me where it is. Like, the energy is very different. And that's yeah, where I feel like fair. it doesn't feel cohesive. And the whole point of this movie to me was to, like, to just slip right in as if this was all made at the same I, time. I mean, I love that sequence. And I know it was one of the ones added. And there's a lot of rumors you hear that he was supposed to kill Jin and Cassian and that crew. That right. was supposed to be him. And this wasn't in there at all. I don't, I, again, we don't know. We'll, we'll get that story one day, maybe. Uh, the sequence is absolutely, totally fan service. I don't think that, and I don't use that term bad, mm-hmm. but it is absolutely like it's the Vader we always wanted to see on film because, right. excuse me, we see him in other areas, um, in in books and comics and, and animated shows, but this is on film. Right. I absolutely think it doesn't necessarily add or subtract from the movie. You know what I mean? To, to your point. As far as the energy thing, yeah, no, there's a couple times I wish they would have I don't know how they could have done it, but even just the conversation that Vader's having with uh, 
with uh, gosh, what's that guy? Uh, Alex and and Joseph had it in their big schmodown. The guy who's speaking to him of you know, when when word leaks out to the rebellion, uh, we'll, 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 to the center, we'll create oh, sympathy right. for the rebellion. That character is a real silly name that's canon that was a question recently. Um, it that conversation doesn't sync up as much to me as the other thing. So so I understand it. I do, have you watched the YouTube clip when someone edited it together? Yeah, I did. I see it, but that. That's to me where you might be a lost soul in this world. Yeah. I watch that and go, oh, that's the best. You're like, neato. Neato. Yeah. Regardless of, again, someone could correct me and they will on Twitter. I think it's I think it's like two days or something that travels, that, that happens between it. And then now we know that, I guess I've heard it's lately, it's not 100% canon, but the book, from a certain point of view, Captain Ramus and Tilly's tells the story how there is a problem with the ship. The repairs weren't done on the profundity. That's why it was on Radis's ship. Uh, and uh, they track the empire tracks them because of that uh, reactor leak. There's little those are little details that I do right. love because otherwise you'd be like, how they find them? But from a certain point of view, that's the one with all the short stories. It's all the short stories, and it's got some of my favorite stories in Star Wars. It's got some of the ones that I'm like, eh, we're not going to read that again. I one of the few books I did read. You, uh, you read a it. lot. Maybe you read uh, more than you give yourself credit. The Jar Jar story, as a complete aside, is maybe the saddest thing I've ever heard. Ta- well, you, but you're talking from Aftermath. The, no. You're talking about the one where he's a clown? Oh, was that Aftermath? That's Am Chuck I confusing Aftermath. everything? Okay. Yeah, Empire's End Aftermath. That is, uh, that's, uh, I wrote about that in the book. And, and right. uh, yes, that is the epilogue of Jar Jar Binks. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. If anyone listening hasn't read that, go seek it out. Or you can go read... Um, my friend Jamie Stangroom on YouTube, he's pals with Ahmed. He's become pals and had Ahmed read it or read most of it in Jar Jar's voice. Oh, wow. And it's it's pretty damn good. But, yeah, the other book, it, it's uh, got some great stuff. Um, other stuff's a little, a little weird. Some of it's, yeah, it's it's here and there. But, like, that's another thing that uh, Rogue One does that I do really like is okay. say what you want about the prequels. You are a prequelist. I'm yeah. oh, I'm halfway. I'm sure. a moderate. I like a lot of it, and there's some of it that good. I wish I could do uh, without. But one I mean, thing that I don't... To be like... clear, that's where I am, too, <laughs> even though we use the term prequelist at Force Center. Trust me. Yes. <laughs> I think one of the things that, like, irks me a little bit is, like, the super clean digital look. Like, it just doesn't flow. So oh, to, yeah, yeah. So to me, one of the coolest things about Rogue One, actually, everyone's losing their mind about Vader and all these other things, mm. but I'm like... I thought it was so cool to take the realistic world and then show me what Coruscant looks like in that realistic. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my favorite sequences. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, we're not ignoring the prequels. It does uh-huh. all exist. I know? would love to see modern day Coruscant. Right. Even in the saga films. But I'll tell you this, as much as I love Force Awakens and I think Last Jedi is a beautiful film and Steve Yedlin did a great job shooting that film. I like the look of Rogue One and Solo better, and, and Bradford Young gets some some unjust crap for the way he shot Solo because it unfortunately depends on what theater you saw it in. Uh, it really does. Um, I think those two movies look more, quote, realistic because that's one of my things. I still don't like – I'll make fun of, uh, I think, Tactic Clones when Mace jumps off the uh, lat transport and uh, – <laughs> He's clearly talking to tennis balls and right. saying, "Let's go get him!" And he's on a concrete floor, and it look and the sand doesn't even move. Like, and that's just technology at the time. I can't right. hold a lot of that against it. But Rogue One doesn't have that. No. You feel the sand on Jin's face. No, I actually, I, I actually had this as a point, and it's in my notes of something that I really didn't like. And now, mm. uh, you know, six months later, I'm like, actually, it works, which okay. was the 
complete desaturation of the color palette. Mm. And I, it bothers me more in solo because mm. I feel like solo maybe could have deserved a little bit more of like, this is colorful. It's Han Solo. Mm. Whereas this movie is very somber. So yeah. I'm taking that one off the cons list. I had, off. It on, I had the con list uh, because watching it again, and this is begging screaming for a 4k home release because i want to see this just in the most immaculate way possible but um let's talk a little bit about something that bothers everybody but me uh because i just want to get your take on it oh okay yeah which is the cgi tarkin oh i love it i love it Uh, and i think it works better on tv now uh and who knows these 4K releases when you know next maybe that's we, what they've been waiting for. Yeah, or, or maybe we'll have a hologram version and I'll be like, that doesn't look like Peter Cushing. No, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I loved it because we we had heard this was going to happen, and whether it was rumors or not, you just kind of heard Tarkin might be in the movie and they might do a digital version, you know. And so that first scene when he walks in to talk to him and Tarkin's looking out the window, I'm like, oh, that's how they're going to do it. He's just going to have a little moment, right? And we know he's there. But when he turns around and he's got little wisps of digital hair and everything. I'm sorry. I, I thought it really worked, and it was key to the story, and it was brave. Um, little Uncanny Valley, sure. Sure, absolutely. The Leia one doesn't work as much for me. It worked, The moment works for me, but the look of it doesn't, and I, hopefully maybe they can correct it over time. Right. Um, but, dude, I'm on the I'm on board. I think the Tark, I think Tarkin needed to be in the story, and, the, and I thought they pulled it off. I'm 100% with you where the Tarkin one, that's actually a character – maybe in all of Star Wars, where if you were to watch one through eight, you're like, why is that guy all of a sudden super important? And I've never heard of him and he never gets mentioned again. So I like this movie kind of uh, at least, you know, canonically for what we see. I'm sure there's a hundred million books about the rise of of this guy. But uh, for what we see, it just adds a little bit for Mm -hmm. me. Yes, the eyes are a little dead sometimes, but yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. The whole sequence when he when they fire on Jetta, it's one of my favorite critics about the oh, it's beautiful moment. And then Tarkin's like, "Good job, it's all mine." I think that's some of the best stuff, and it works, and it really works. Uh, and you know, uh, you either love it or you don't, I guess. I guess that's uh, so. You know, we've you've mentioned Krennic a lot, and I yeah. want to talk about the characters in this movie because I feel like th- ultimately. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is about the characters. Uh, if you're not on board with our group of heroes, Star Wars is probably a little bit of a drag here and yeah. there. Um, I think if this movie were all about Krennic, I'd mm-hmm. be 100% on board. Because I think mm-hmm. Krennic is one of the most interesting characters because he is just like, he's not like the the emperor. He's like the boss at your retail job or mm-hmm. like, God, you think you matter and you so don't. Yeah. Like, I love that. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's my main heroes that I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't connect with Jen. I feel mm-hmm. like she mm-hmm. starts the movie scared and, and rebellious and she ends the movie slightly less scared and slightly more rebellious, but the arc is hard to kind of trace. Uh, yeah, this is, as far as Krennic goes, uh, I think the movie did him pretty well. I would have loved to have seen some of the stuff in the reshoots. Mendelssohn has talked about it, uh, right, uh, of some of the differences. Um, Catalyst is key to appreciating Krennic. He comes off in a lot, lot of parts in, 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 in Catalyst uh, by James Lucino, who also wrote the Canon Tarkin uh, book um, and has wrote a lot of Expanded Universe stuff. Uh, he comes off as 
Hans Landa from Glorious Bastards at times. He right. comes off as diabolical. And the movie, it is. It is middle management. It is Orson Krennic's uh, no good, very bad day. And <laughs> you, and, and so he might not be as a threat, you know? He's not the, necessarily the big bad. I, again, I think the Empire is. The Empire is hanging over everything. Anyways, conversation about Krennic and his cape we can have because uh, I think we both love the character. Yes, Jin and Cassian uh, as, a, as a lead duo. It's very somber. I would have loved to have seen some of the Jin stuff that we saw in the trailers. Um, the I rebel moment. So it's, it's right. all a little different. Um, that's where some of the movie falters for me in Acts 1 and 2. Because it is a three-act classic, big popcorn picture, things move fast, right? So her right. switch happens fast. Cassian's maybe happens fast or fast faster than we'd like. So that was part of, part of my problem. They didn't connect. I, even with the other team, Don, uh, Donnie Yen's Sherrod uh, uh, Emway, uh, Baze Malbus, K2S, I think generally works for a lot of people. Um, I don't uh, even like Alan Tudyk as a person, but I really like I've him. I've heard things him, about him. I don't But this like is him. not about that. That's not about that. But, yeah, I, I, but I love that. I think it that and droid, the book, yeah. that droid works better for me than LV... Mm-hmm. Whatever her name is from Solo. L337, yeah. yeah. Yes, no, it does for me too. Um, and Bodie Rook too. Bodie Rook's key, but maybe slightly undeveloped in the film versus the book, which is going to happen, by the way. But also, Alexander Freed's Rogue One novelization is spectacular, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But anyways, to the big, let's get into Jin. I, I understand she plays it flat a lot of times. Right. Her finest moment, which I wrote about in the book, is, I think, in front of her father because it changes everything. It, it, her, her whole life... That uh, she'd been all the things she believed turns that she was believing turns out to be was a lie, a lie to herself, and 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 he's not just alive. He didn't run away f- from her, and now she's part of the very thing. All these kind. Of, I think there's some layers in that moment. Works for me. Um, I just think I would have liked to one more moment. I don't like a lot of the Edu stuff. One more team bonding moment before between Edu and before they go to ba- Yavin Four. I don't know what. I'm not a storyteller right. in that regard. Um, and that's where I feel it. It, it feels it a lot. You, you're suddenly like, they're just met. They're the A team. and But they're really the D team, you know? And now they're all on the same page because they have to be. And that's where it might falter a little bit for me. She does feel, she feels a little undercooked. That's uh, a great way to say it. A, yeah. a slight undercooked. And I would say the same about Cassian. But here's mm-hmm. what Cassian, I feel like, has that Jen doesn't. Right. I've, Cassian, at least as a character, he reveals something new to us about the Rebellion in general, which mm-hmm. is, hey, we're not all Luke Skywalker. We're not all yeah. apple pie and hugs and unicorn farts. Yeah. Like, some of us are, like, true. <laughs> yeah, they have to do <laughs> They have to do the hard stuff, man. Some yeah. of them are, like, killers and uh, cold-blooded killers, and it's a war. I think mm-hmm. I think Cassian underscores the fact that it's like, don't ever forget that this is a war. And yeah. Sometimes you do things in war that yeah. you know you can't do in real life. Yeah. And I think that's why I think it was a great choice to have a Cassian series on Disney Plus coming. 100%. Uh, Cuz that is a character that I think definitely I felt like oh, I can feel you changing, but there just wasn't enough time to know how much yeah. of an effect that change has. Jen, I don't know. I just if the again, if she wasn't my main protagonist and this whole thing wasn't through her eyes, I feel like I might have connected a bit but the other character that just like they put such a, a heavy a heavy load of the story on then poof 
gone mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, why am I completely blanking? Forrest Whitaker. Saw Guerrero. Saw Guerrero. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. this is like, uh, it, it starts as like a MacGuffin. Right, right, right. <laughs> Got to find him. Got to find Saw. find him. He's gone crazy. He threatens to make some guy's brain mush, which doesn't actually happen. And then he's out of the story. He's yeah. done. And I just, I'm like, what what happened here? That, to mm. me, probably feels like it was the biggest victim of whatever change of the story was. Possible, because there's other Saw stuff, at least with alternate hair. Uh, <laughs> right. That would have synced more up to his animated versions. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how to answer that one, because I love... You don't have to answer. No, just, no, no. Your, I'm your take think, on Saw. I love Saw Gerrera, but I also was familiar with Saw Gerrera before. I'm not right. saying you weren't or anything. A lot of people might not have been. I love Forrest Whitaker's choices. I'm excited to see him in Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, and he is There's a book by Beth Revis called Rebel Rising, which deals with Jin 9 to 16. And I think it's a central reading to this time period. And it's Saw taking her, uh, raising her, but not knowing how. Does not raise a kid, let alone an adoptive daughter. He raises a warrior. And it's fantastic, and it's great. And so by the time we see... So Saw in Rogue One seems like a little tiny piece of a meal that you can enjoy if you take it all in. And it's, I, I had no problem with the movie. I remember coming out of it and like, ah, oh, I thought that was great. And people had some issues with it. And I was like, okay, we're just going to have to disagree to disagree on that one. Right. I thought it was a real tasty morsel. Um, the <laughs> partisans, tasty forest. The partisans are great. Uh, the, the two tubes, Benthic and Edrio, are great. There's a Beezer Fortuna, Bibb's cousin, you see for a There's a lot of great things in there I like. Um, and I love, but it goes back to the casting thing. I love that we learned, like, the rebels didn't just be like, you all want to rebel? Right. They Mon Mothma and Guerrero disagreed. General Draven's going, hey, kill him. Cassian, shoot him. Don't tell anybody. Right. Oh, I love that. And Admiratus is one of my favorite characters. So uh, I think Saw's part of that. Uh, I know a lot of people, some people are like, well, he could have kept going and everything. Here's what it is. I think that character existed, and I don't know this for a fact. I just know that the character, somewhat of the character existed, and then at some point the story group, which does not get involved with a lot of the beat by beat. They don't write the stories. But the creators and writers and directors can come to them and they can be like, oh, we have this. And I think they were like, hey, this character exists. And George himself was going to use him in other materials, that fabled TV show in the mid-2000s. Right. Saw was probably going to be part of that, ended up being in Clone Wars or a version of Saw. Um, and I think they were like, use this. And so it seemed to have more weight. Saw Guerrera. But really it's this nutball that you know has lost his mind fighting the war. And uh, it was needed for Jin's development, or lack thereof. If you yeah, that I, I guess maybe that's the problem, is that he exists in this film, yeah. nothing outside, as a catalyst for Jen. But since Jen doesn't have much of an arc as it is, it just doesn't feel it, like economical storytelling. It is, again, and we'll bring it up, uh, you shouldn't have to read all these things to, to enjoy the movie. The Rogue One novelization by, by Alexander Freed, that scene, when she goes back, is one of the best. Because she walks through and everyone there is like, this son of a... And they're pissed at her. And she starts looking around because she knows all of them. She fought with all of them. So here is Jen Urso. And they're like, you're back. And they're not, this is all in through her point of view. Right. And she's like, hey, where's so-and-so? And they're like, he died. You left us. Hey, where's so-and-so? They died. You left us. And she, in the beginning of the movie, when, when, when the rebels break into the transport on Wobani... 
she's not the reason she kicks hits them and tries to get away isn't just like i'm sassy jen she's going saw found me she's upset and afraid that saw guerrera has come for her and and the partisans because she also knows that they did horrible things including in the book rebel rising kill children of the empire they go to an event and they use these little these little guns and they and they just they kill children and so she is like oh they're, the partisans are coming for me, <laughs> not the rebels. Yeah, and she hates the rebels because she thinks the rebels killed her family just as much as the empire, and that's why she's she's a fascinating character when you lay all this down. But it doesn't doesn't show up. I don't know. You know, these novelizations sometimes are from scripts. Uh, you know, you can get some things. Hey, let's write about this that was cut from the movie. And otherwise, other times the authors are having a little leeway. I don't know exactly. I know more of Jason Fry's Last Jedi novelization, which is great. But I don't know if Alexander Freed, how, how much freedom he had. That that moment, I wish some of that was with... If you imagine Jen walks back and they're like, you you left us. I didn't leave. You saw, saw, saw abandon right. me. Where's, where's, where's Mark? Mark's dead. Your boyfriend's dead. And then she goes back to Saw. That's why Saw's like, yeah, you're here to kill me? Like, we were friends. And she's like, you left me. That would have more weight to it. And then the Cassian Separatist thing. Raised by separatists, hates Jedi, does not trust the Force. You see a little bit of it. He doesn't like Sheraton Bays right away. But he is a separatist. He didn't fight. He was six or whatever it was. But his family fought the Republic. And now, technically, he's fighting for the Republic. It's wonderfully messy. I don't know how. I've written a lot of screenplays, but I'm not going to criticize. I don't know how you get that in there. But those two beats add something to those characters that I do feel is missing from the movie. 100%. Just hearing you explain that, like, mm -hmm. it, it does, like, oh, like, right now it seems like, you know, the Saw and his rebels and Jen, they feel like, you know, teenagers that were spraying graffiti yeah. and then yeah. they all ran and Jen was left behind. Yeah. If, she, if she said, Saw, you know, you're here to kill me? And she's like, you killed children. Yeah. You killed children, Saw. Like... I want no part of that. That's why you left me and I didn't want to come back versus what we got. And I think what we got is pretty good, but it does use, use the term undercooked. A lot of it in the first and second act are undercooked for me. Which is a great, uh, you know, just that idea of like, you know, there's this rebel faction that's like, oh, you're no better than the enemy, yeah. which was a great uh, theme that was kind of brought up in Last Jedi, which right. is like, it doesn't matter. You know, look, all scumbags are just making weapons for whoever wants them. Does They don't care about your war, you know? I, I tell you, it's a different conversation. One of my favorite line readings in all of Star Wars is Benicio Del Toro looking back at Finn and going, maybe. Yeah. I love that moment. That's one of my favorite moments in Star Wars. Um because it is it is all that. The lesson is, no, you should choose. But there's this, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> right. And, and that's something that, like, surprisingly, you would think with, like, Disney and being more family-friendly and just right. kind of in general, like, look, a, a lot of people accuse Disney of, like, watering things down. Like, it right, right. seems like once Disney's taken over, like, a big theme of all these Star Wars movies is, like, mm. the realities of war. You know? It's the realities of the Empire, the realities of this time period. And, and again, I know a lot of people are calling for a little bit more Jedi and Sith lore. I think you're going to get that. And I understand it. I understand that. I grew up. Han was my favorite character. Loved Leia. Loved Luke. Loved Luke. But the Star Wars to me was the rebellion against the Empire. And I know that's not the case for everybody. And I, and I don't get me wrong. I own several lightsabers. <laughs> I will fight you right now. Sure. I love Jedi. I love Sith. There's some interesting things there. 
I just love all this. And one of the things I think Lucasfilm has done very well, and the creators, the individual creators that have come in to tell the stories, they're they are looking at it. All right, we we saw the good guys. We saw we saw the 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 princess gets rescued, or then rescues herself, and then the little farm boy saves the day, and the smuggler comes back. We saw that in a in a self contained. Once in a lifetime movie, and then the story continues. And George, I think, did a great job continuing it. But you got to think, you got to stop and think. The, we want as 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 fandoms now. We want. Well, Tywin Lannister is a horrible person, but he also had some points. And it's not. It's this isn't. You know, Mussolini kept the trains on time. Conversation that's right. different. That's real history. Look at these characters. Tywin Lannister to me, and going over to Game of Thrones, is one of the best characters and one of the best leaders. He does everything right. And you hate him for it because he's the Yankees and he's an asshole. And he, it, it, his his Achilles heels, he was bad to his children his entire time. And they're the ones that end up destroying him in various ways. So I think in Star Wars, they've done a great job. And Rogue One opens that up. Lost Stars, Claudia Gray's book, is the first to have us in canon. In canon. And it might have been in other places. And it definitely was in Clerks. I give Kevin Smith a lot of credit <laughs> credit for being the first to put on screen the conversations me and my friends had. I'm sure there were some general contractors on there. That is that is so monumentous in the in the fandom. Like, yeah, that's the conversations we were having. For to have Lucasfilm come in and be like, in, in Claudia Gray's Lost Stars, one of the first new canon books, of those terrorists blew up the Death Star. My friends were on there. That is some realistic stuff that is that deals with the still the, the center, the morality of Star Wars that George will George Lucas will tell you is the only thing you need to do. It's the core of Star Wars. Um, he just, you know, told Favreau that, and a new, the news story comes out. He's like, the secret George gave Favreau, the secret he gives everyone. Every panel, everything George ever talks about Star Wars is like, oh, this is for children and the morality lessons they need to learn at 12 years of age. Um, I think Rogue One deals with all that, too, of like, how do you fight? How do you rise up and fight and then, and, and then disagree and come together? How, how do you do it? And I think Rogue One is the, is the, it's the lid to that box that they pulled off. Uh, and that's it's really exciting stuff for me. I just wish this movie had a tenth of the passion you just had giving that monologue. <laughs> that's the it's Edu man. Edu doesn't work for me. Maybe that's some of the passion. Maybe there's some great stuff on Edu, but it it does just like it just slams the brakes because it just feels like uh, okay, here's yeah. the next set piece we're going. It to. does. It yeah. does. I mean, you get to see some cool Y wing. I love my Y wings, but yeah, there's some issues there. So let's talk about. Uh, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I like. That this fits in nicely. Yeah. Uh, it fits. It, it aesthetically fits in. I feel like you could watch this and watch A New Hope and not feel as jarring as like Episode mm. Three to A New Hope. Correct. Like, correct. Kids aren't gonna be like, "What happened?" <laughs> um, here, I don't like. Like, I, I don't like some of the like. We promise this is Star Wars. Remember this thing. Remember this thing. There's Panda Baba and Doctor. Uh, yeah. What's his face? You're one of those guys, huh? Yeah. <laughs> It's just like there's a YouTube uh, channel in Wisconsin for you. Oh um, boy. Okay. I mean, it's just nostalgia. Like, it's, it's 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 distracting. The nostalgia in this movie is distracting for me. All I would, of it or parts of it? Let's run down the list. Seventy five percent is distracting. So Panda Baba, Doctor Evanson, you don't like? No. Well, just because you were like, wah, wah, I'm or... like, I get it. They, huh? I I know what time period we're in, and we're just gonna magically see them again in a week. Yeah, essentially you know? a couple. Yeah, yeah, it's not too long. It is like not not too long. It's like all right, I get it. Neat, you know. Okay, okay. Let's just roll down. All the right. List. So that one I don't really care for. Tarkin, love it. 
Great. Love Tarkin. Great. Great. Uh, We're one for one here. <laughs> one to one. One one one. Uh, the Rebel pilots. Uh, it just oh, it pulls me so far out. <laughs> Uh, and, and it's not the Jeremy fact. Johns and I applauded, and we're the only two in the screening that applauded. Here's the thing: it's not the concept, uh-huh. because those they were the leaders of their their squadrons. They, they would, would they would be there. be there. Okay, we're on the same page right. there. Okay, they absolutely would be right. there. Right. I just it's the exact same moment. It's the recycled. It's, it's, it's there's no footage. It's, yeah. it's not even an outtake. It's not well, like a well, different well, well, reading. Well, well, of it. one of them was still alive, and he recorded new audio. That is that is a fact. One of them, I think it's uh, Garvin Dave Drace, who's Red Leader. He's passed away, and they had alternate footage. Is he the one with the southern accent? Uh, Garvin Dave Drace is. Yeah, he's the one It takes the first shot of the Death Star and, and New Hope. He's Red Leader, the X-Wing. The Y-Wing is, is John Dutch Vander. Okay, yeah. Uh, he is still alive, and he okay. recorded new some new dialogue for this. Okay. For that. But... I don't. I can't help you there. I, I, you can't because there's nothing you can do. One thing is no. Be, no, the reason is because you're always you're using what I counter, which is well they'd be there. Right. So you understand that they even go out of the way to make sure Wedge isn't there. Right. So they can do look at the size of that thing, but they have Wedge. It's a it's a meta. They have the original voice of Wedge from A New Hope doing the PA announcing on in Rogue One when everyone is scrambling, which is a callback because Dennis Lawson did not speak. As Wedge in New Hope. It was a different voice. Different voice. He did in Empire and Jedi. There was also fake Wedge. And there's also fake Wedge, a recast Wedge, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Which is now dealt with in, uh, from a certain point of view, one of the stories. Yeah, Um, because don't they like call him fake fake Wedge? wedge? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So that's just, we'll have to agree to disagree because you understand it, you just don't like it. It took you out of it. It it did. And, And look, through no fault of their own that... Right. There's just no. Maybe there weren't any outtakes. Maybe there literally was no other line. George reading. shot. They say George shot used mostly most of what he shot. Yeah. 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 Maybe there he just had to was for budget reasons. Yeah. No other. No. Literally, they only did one take. Yeah. Like red five. You know, whatever it is. Totally. But, totally. Because it, it's a hundred percent like it. It just like I'm like oh that's wow. literally you just lifted it and then I'm gonna see it the exact same inflection the exact yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just because I've seen Start a new hope. Your attack, Rod. Right? Yeah. I've I've seen a new hope so many times that there's like even if they had cut out a millisecond uh-huh. of breath to make it like the inflection or interesting the I, cadence, I mean, yeah, I, there's I mean, nothing you can do. Nothing I can do. Nothing, I, but and, you and, asked. And again, you asked. no, no. And this podcast isn't about changing your mind. I literally in the in the press screening and press generally they're fans of what they're seeing for right. these big pictures. Right. Um, Jeremy Johns and I were sitting next to each other and. The first shot of Red Leader, then go, we both went, yeah, and clapped. And literally, you had to look around and went, we're the only ones. Stop, stop clapping. <laughs> we're stop the ones clapping. I care. I actually, there was, the, and this is why I say, like, I'm glad we're re recording this because there was something that bothered me, but then you explained it to me last time. I was like, you're okay. right. You're right. I'll okay. concede, which was, I never liked that it's like, wait a second. Why are there the whole huge rebel fleet here, but then like six guys go to kill the big Death Star later? I took your explanation of like, well, you saw how many got killed at this thing. Yeah, there's just not a lot left. I'm like, all right, I'll give you that. Thirty snub fighters. Yeah, it's it's they try. I think they try to deal with that realistically as best they can. It's it's the rebel cells come together. This is the first time the rebel alliance has fought as the rebel alliance, mm-hmm. uh, at least on film. You know, comics over time may change some of that, but um, yeah, yeah, okay. I know, I know people didn't listen to our lost episode, but I'm trying right. to remember what I said exactly. But yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that was essentially yeah. the cliff notes was just like, 
well, yeah. You, they, how many guys they, died in this? In this? Yeah, they're aware of it. The, the question of well, where are the U-Wings, which I think are one of my favorite Star Wars ships, uh, the story group has put out there in various different properties and, and, and visual encyclopedias and dictionaries. There wasn't a lot of them. The Rebel Alliance didn't have the funds, the resources. They took what they got. Eh, I don't know. I'm throwing out a number. Yeah, there was 10 of them. Right. And they lost half of them in Rogue One, and then they wouldn't send them to destroy the Death Star, and they couldn't fit them on Endor, you know? That's the kind of answers you have to have. It's just one of those things where it's like you watch A New Hope, and then, you know, by the time you get to uh, Return of the Jedi, you have A-Wings, you have all these different crazy ships, so you're like, I get it. Years have passed. passed, They've made new stuff. But then when they show, when the cruisers and everything show up in Rogue One, you're like, hold on a second. Why did you only send like 12 guys to destroy? Like that was your send everything moment. You know, that was my, my gripe at the time. Yeah. 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 But I, you know, but it was they're, also they're, just the limit, like the real world limitations of like Lucas just hadn't thought of that. that stuff yeah. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, you know? it's so funny how sometimes that is the answer. Well, George wrote this in 73, <laughs> <Right>. 74, 75 <laughs> and didn't think we'd have a podcast called, uh, let's dig into rogue one. Right. Um, so it's like, okay, I'll let them, but again, like I think the, those are little things to me where it's like if you're going to make this movie and you know that you're going to have to seamlessly fit into the next chapter like mm-hmm. you you almost have to restrain yourself enough mm. i'll buy your explanation <laughs> for a dollar that's like well a lot of those got destroyed so they couldn't go yeah. you know to the battle of yavin yeah 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 all right all right they had to go uh, other places too i feel like that's like what my mom would tell me when i'm four to just yeah. Mom, 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 because mom. they're all destroyed. <laughs> uh, okay. True. <laughs> I'll it's, buy it. It's all true. Look, I, I think ultimately, mm-hmm. I think ultimately Rogue One is an interesting premise. Uh, it's something that, you know, like it's, it's something that we probably thought about in our heads. Like, how did they get those plans ultimately mm-hmm. get them to uh, R2? I don't. I think it just kind of like exists within itself for me personally, at least mm. at the time it didn't really tell me anything. I didn't already know about star Wars. It didn't really expand anything in time though. Since then it's like, well, we're getting a whole show. I think just talking about what the themes of this movie are like, it's not necessarily a movie that I it's, it's my least favorite star Wars movie. I'll say that mm. hands down. It's the one mm. that like, and maybe least favorite is equated to, least watched or willing to watch from start to finish. Yeah, it's like, what's your least favorite pizza? You're still going to eat it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, clearly. Yeah. Um, I, I I feel like I agree with you on a lot more things than I disagree, but I mm-hmm. think, you know, just kind of in closing about Rogue One and just kind of in Star Wars in general, it's okay to not like... A, it doesn't mean you're not a Star Wars yeah, fan yeah. if you don't like one Star Wars movie. It doesn't mean you're not a Batman fan if you don't like one Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to 100% love every... I'm not talking to you specifically, No, 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 no. I, I, I talk about this in the book. Right. You know? Absolutely. You, 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 there's room as a Star Wars fan. The Star Wars is big enough to handle your anger, your questions, and <laughs> poking fun of it. One of the things that connects us to Star Wars fans, particularly in the 80s and early 90s, was finding a couple friends that love Star Wars and then having those conversations that Kevin Smith put in Clerks of, hey, don't you think it was pretty silly? Right. Yeah, absolutely, it was pretty silly. Now, we in this era of, you know, you and I both have worked for these companies. We have these shows where you saw a movie and you walk out and you have to tweet nine out of 12 stars and you have to have in your opinion and your right. opinion is, that's changed a lot of the conversation. And we forget that part of being a Star Wars fan was 
you know, putting silly quotes. Rogue One has some of my favorite, you know, I joke all the time. One of my favorite Star Wars quotes of all time is, what is she proposing? When Jin speaks, like, what? What is <laughs> hilarious? And I use that all the time. So I think that's all part of it. And, and, and I think in my final statements here, yeah, you can question a lot of things. You don't have to enjoy every film, but it's Star Wars, man. Isn't this fun? There's just, yeah, I think ultimately for two plus hours, I just there's it's so undercooked that it's it's borderline filled with salmonella for me. <laughs> that being said, I I can't argue that that third act, even though there's even there's even things in the third act that are just weird and dumb, like the world's biggest crane game. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. okay, that seems like the least efficient way to file yeah. hard drives, but sure, sure, um, just like. It's it's got to be impossible at this point to think of new situations to put you know a Star yeah. Wars scene in and a beach was freaking cool like a beach is cool. I talked to our friend our friend Joe Star he's not a huge fan of Rogue One at least back in the day I don't know if he's changed his opinion but we we were talking about it he goes yeah I, I don't really like Rogue One but I'm a Star Wars fan at the end of the day and I'm paraphrasing end of the day Rogue One gave me shore troopers which are like my favorite thing yeah and I think that's part of what I'm saying is. Yeah, you might not like it, but maybe you don't like Solo. But holy crap, Infus Nest is this great character and great right. design. And da, da, da. have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> have some fun. I'm not saying that to you. I'm no, just saying no. I, and I think – I don't think you're saying that to me sitting here, but yeah. I definitely think you were saying that to me six months ago. That maybe. was just – had my arms folded. was like, no, my Star Wars. It's everybody's Star Wars. I probably won't revisit this one as much, but yeah. – if I if I'm flipping through and on TNT and I see sure. that Battle of Scarif, like I'm sure as hell gonna stop. Even though those little rogue pilots annoy me that they're there, <laughs> I get why they're there. Copy I, that gold leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, it it does kind of sadden me that I don't I don't know the future of the a Star Wars story franchise. Mm-hmm. I, 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 as a big fan of Solo, it kind of makes me sad that, yeah. you know, we're not going to get the Obi-Wan one or. I think they can't, I, I, that's a, maybe a different conversation and a lot of, a lot of meetings and emails we're not privy to until right. there's some kind of breach and we all see them. Um, or there's a book. I think, I think it's an overreaction to Solo and I think Bob Iger has made uh, enough public statements on, yeah, I kind of messed up with the release date and all that kind of stuff. Not even worried about the, it's not, don't need to talk about the director controversy. Right. Um, um, I love Solo too. I love all of this, but I hear a lot. I hear I heard it recently down at Comic Con. Oh, I hate Solo. That movie didn't introduce anything new, and I'm like, D- did you need it, or did you? Can you just enjoy that you got another chapter of this franchise? Anything, anything new? What about Crimson Dawn? Oh, what that, about that, Beckett? That, that, what about? That, don't even get me started <laughs> on on what is actually introduced into this and and how awesome Alden Ehrenreich is. We'll do that podcast. Yeah, but it. I hear that a lot. No one asked for this movie. Okay. Sure. Right. No one asked for Empire Strikes Back. They thought the story was done. Maybe 12 people at school did or something. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's. I don't think that's a fair question. And I think Disney has correct... They've looked at some things, and, I, and we could... You know, it's incorrect to compare it to the MCU. It's a different animal. Yes, taken taken from a hundred plus years of comics or whatever it is. I don't read superhero comics. I read other film the war comics, uh, um, and Star Wars comics, um, and the WWE comic. Um, New day. It's not the same, man. It's not the same. It's not and, at all. But let's go back to Iron Man two. Let's go back to Captain America the, the first, uh, you know, Avenger, which might have grown in appreciation over time. Doesn't matter. That's another. What I mean is. 
they had to also kind of iron out some kinks. Star Wars is a long way to go, and Disney Plus has changed the game. And a lot of these stories that I love, Solo, if it had been a six-part Disney Plus series, I think people would have not felt the pressure. Because Solo doesn't have a big, epic, we blew up the Death Star, get a, give us a metal ending. No, it's subdued in Yeah, in and I think we're trained as audiences for the three-act structure. And, you know, you save the cat, tea time of the soul, big bad at the end. We're all used to that, and we didn't necessarily get that in Solo, so the reaction is, we didn't need that. It didn't add anything. Rogue One, I think, does. Just got to take some time to peel back those layers. Yeah, I think Disney Plus is ultimately going to do Rogue One a big favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking forward to The Mandalorian. I'm looking forward to Cassian's show. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's about five other shows that they're probably thinking about. Yeah, that I hope- think you'll see an Obi-Wan. I, I, I really believe so. you'll see a Kenobi. Obi-Wan is my one of my favorite characters. Yeah, yeah. Prequel Obi-Wan. is. Yeah, I think you'll get Obi-Wan in the desert. Get chasing Vader, going off to face Vader one last time. If we could get a live-action uh, reenactment of that Rebels scene with him and Darth Maul. It's my second favorite lightsaber fight. It's great. Uh, you, uh, I wanted to do this one with you because you have a way of talking about Star Wars that really gets me excited, even for the things I'm not excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, your book, just yeah. in case anyone has, has missed it or isn't did, didn't know that it exists. Or like Billy, doesn't read much but this one is it's one's easy because it's like you can pick it up and you don't feel like you're like okay what what happened before it's not it's like you can just uh ingest a little bit at a time yeah uh, thank you yeah it's called uh, why we love star wars the great moments that built the galaxy far far away by mango publishing um bonus points if you spot the one factual error that slipped through uh it's in the beginning of i'll tell you uh, never mind i want you to find it um I, i messed up a star destroyer no i knew it I knew it, but it's in there. I shouldn't even mention it, but I'm so self-conscious. I've lost nights of sleep over it. Um, there's a whole process to that writing. Uh, but I'm also excited to announce, uh, uh, I don't know when this is released or when I'll know this officially, um, the audiobook version is coming out, read by me. Finally. Yeah, it took a while. Um, fun story. Most authors don't get to do their books. Yeah. So I had to audition to get my audiobook. And just finished at the time of you and I doing this podcast, about two days removed from actually finally finishing it. Uh, it was a great, fun process. I also got to correct some mistakes and like, oh, that was a typo. We get to change that. Yeah. So it's like a new version of the book, and it's written in my voice. And I write in a specific weird way. I'm not a great writer. I'm a good speech writer. And so to able for me to be able to speak my book, I think it, I think it'd be interesting for those, uh, even those who read it already. Would you call it the? special edition it's the special edition see it again for the first time <laughs> uh yeah or if you guys want you can tweet at ken knapsack yeah um give him promo code billy biz he <laughs> will call you and read it to you every That's night right. for a month That's right uh thank you so much ken for coming and doing this again a second time my pleasure uh check out his book also check out all the other episodes we're winding down season two but still to come before we end we have uh lon harris is coming back to talk james bond quantum of solace Ooh, Ooh, we also have i love that movie Oh man, maybe you might. Yeah. I might need some help because Lon has it not only out for that movie, but the director Mark Forster. Really? In oh, so you're—he's not coming to convince you. Oh, you're convincing no. him. I'm like, dude, I like this movie, and I got lit up. Like I love Casino Royale. Casino Royale's my favorite. Yeah. Even over Skyfall. Quantum of Solace. I watched years later. I was like, why did I hate this movie? 
it's really good and fits really well into this universe. Oh boy! Better well, if you're if you're shaking your hands in the air right now at me and Ken, uh, that's coming your way. Also, you can listen to some past episodes. We have Wild Wild West with Danielle Radford. We have, as we mentioned on the show, The Matrix Reloaded with Joe Star. All your favorites, they're all here. Thank you so much, and we'll see you guys next week.